the vision is to keep writing great songs, but I mean, we want to help other people with anything, anything that we have that could be helpful to another leader or songwriter or whatever it might be. I mean, that's, that's really the heartbeat behind Dwell is to take what we have and try to multiply it, try to make it helpful and useful to other people. And so in this case, songwriters, I hope it goes well. I think it's going to, we'll see. Between the Grooves is hosted by James Curtis, music director and morning man in the greater Toronto area on Joy Radio. Andrew Brown, Juno-nominated singer-songwriter and worship leader. Both hope to share insights into Christian music, exploring ministry, message, and everything in between. You can connect with the show at faithstrongtoday.com slash between the grooves or via Twitter at Between Grooves. Now, here's James and Drew. We are back. We are back. And we are... Boys are back in town. Boys are back in town. Can we use that? Can we use that? Sure, why not? Yeah. We we'll play some soul. Right, there we go. We'll pay some soul can on that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, here we are, episode 184. Welcome to Between the Grooves. It's your weekly look at music, ministry, and everything in between with today's top Christian artists. And today... Uh, we are speaking with a gentleman by the name of Aaron Williams from Dwell Songs. This is a, a great conversation because a lot of times in the uh, in in a church environment, uh, bigger is better, right? Right. And and yeah. this is this is talking about smaller is better, basically. That's right. You know, the smaller yeah. community, yeah. a more intimate setting. When you consider, you know, the Hill songs of the world or the Bethel musics of the world, you know, they put on these big conferences and stuff. But this is like, you no, know, intentionally small, which is which is a great yeah. conversation to have. So uh, really looking forward to sharing this conversation with you in just a bit. But before we get to that, we need to check in with the community corkboard. Community corkboard. Come on, what's that all about? You know what? Like last time I brought the, the guitar out, man, and I was singing, and we got like no feedback, no nothing. Okay, well no, that's no respect on that. So this is this is in your face, folks. You know, you did not comment or anything <laughs> like that. Right. That's it. We're going back that's to right. basics. That's right. Yeah. So uh community corkboard, <laughs> we had that um lackluster introduction by by Drew, but that's okay. Um <laughs> This I'm is, being petty. I'm being petty. That's that's okay. That's okay. People will learn. People will learn. That's right. <laughs> Listen, this is your opportunity to let us know about uh, anything going on in your career, anything going on in your ministry, whether it be an online concert, a new song, or a video, or even an album dropping. This is a this is a community, so we support each other, and that's that's what this is all about. So if you have anything going on, send us an email at betweenthegrooves at faithstrongtoday.com. Community corkboard. Again. Community corkboard. No, no, I was just going to say again, like there's that lack of energy. <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah, that's but, right. That's but right. But the coffee that's hasn't right. kicked in for you yet, so No, it hasn't. It has, soon, soon, soon. Okay, okay. Halfway through the show, I'll be like, Wow. Woo! Yeah. <laughs> just looking at the levels there. I think we've just peaked. I think so. <laughs> Both so, in volume and in terms of relevance. Yeah. <laughs> that was good. So um we've just wrapped up Super Bowl weekend. It's all about the food, in my opinion. Come on, you know, I'm not Preach a big brother. I'm not a big now. football fan, um, so I, I I didn't watch the game. I'll be honest. Um, I did watch the halftime, which was after my bedtime last night, so I watched it this morning, and uh, I've got some thoughts on it. But uh, what about oh, you? Did you watch the game at all, or? I did not watch the game. Normally I do, um, but uh, this year didn't. Just sort of hung out and chilled and sort of kept the TV off and relaxed. And, but yeah, I did watch it, much like you. I watched it this morning, um, pretty much first thing. Got up and cranked it in the house. Yeah, and what did um, you think? I, I'm, I'm a huge fan of The weekend. He was an interesting choice. Like usually what they do, they bring in someone who is at legendary status. Right. Right? Even, even last year it was Lady Gaga and J-Lo. Like despite what your opinions might be on either artist, right. they have hit that legendary status, right? They've and been, and isn't it more than one Beyonce. artist normally? And, and, and sometimes. I think for the Katy Perry one, I think she did it on her own. Lenny Kravitz, I think he did it on okay. his own. Prince I, I thought there was sometimes, own. you know, uh, like 
a couple of acts back to back or something. And, and you're like right. That, you and know? you're right. Usually, some, it has done that quite. Like those Coldplay, Beyonce, and someone else one year. Uh, Bruno Mars, the right. three of them, right? Yeah, yeah. The weekend on his own, and I again, huge fan. I was surprised. I was really surprised they chose him for that. And normally, it's someone who doesn't have a current like top ten hit. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so. Uh, but I thought he did a great job. I thought he was great. Um, it was interesting hearing all the fake audience noise. <laughs> did you notice? Did you notice that? Yeah. I mean, yeah. There's twenty five thousand people there, but that was a lot of audience noise. Considering, I mean, they would have done um, that throughout I, the game, anyways. You know, just to right. just to that's beef right. it up a bit and stuff. And but they've been doing that yeah. with sports over the last year, anyways. And right? that's the thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's it's part part of the process now. Yeah. I was surprised by, and and it was kind of like um, we had this conversation sort of off the air about like. How it was a combination of live recording and sort of pre pre recorded stuff? Yeah, I I was gonna say I found it to be I, I thought it was great. I thought it was uh, I'll use the term well edited. <laughs> right. <laughs> because right. because there were definitely some pre recorded bits, some you know, especially during some song transitions. Definitely can't feel my face was was pre recorded. Like that was all backstage. Uh, I was just watching and I played it back a couple of times. That's a nice thing about watching it after the fact. You can just, you know, uh, go back 10 seconds and see what actually happened there. Um, he's walking backstage um, and the camera's got him and then he, and he, he's got nothing in his hands. He rounds the corner and suddenly he's got a microphone in his hand. It's like, oh, okay, well, right. it's obviously that the, the pre recorded stuff has started there, which is fine. Right. Oh, yeah, totally. I mean, yeah. it was it was well done. I just look at it uh, as to, uh, you know, it was a very obvious thing, in my opinion. I, I'm not sure how many people would have caught that. What, one last thing about the weekend thing that I really appreciated. He played the long game. He started like he did an award show back in the fall where he, he had his face all bandaged up because for like a fake, um, you know, face surgery thing between that and the music video <laughs> and the Super Bowl. Is actually one long narrative, and I'm like, that's amazing. That's really cool. That's for, it showed so much intention, just sort of creating this cool narrative of like this rise and fall of an artist, you know, hitting glory and then succumbing to like greed and. <laughs> you know, right. like, that was beautiful. Well done. How does I the wish- how, how does the car fit into that? He he started. It was obviously pre recorded, but he started right, getting yeah. out of a car. How did that fit into uh, it? Because in the last music video, he drives away in a car. Oh, okay, okay, that makes sense. So like the, it's, right. it's almost like one big story. It's right. like I was like, bravo. That's I brilliant. Wish, I wish more people understood that narrative because I right. think it would have given his performance a little more weight. And I haven't seen the video, so I just saw the beginning of this thing, and it was obviously pre-recorded him getting out of this car and then you know right. sitting down on the ledge or whatever else. But I yeah. was trying to think of what's the relevance there, and now now you've just mm. you know explained that all yeah. to me, which is great. Like you said, it's the it's the long game um, over the course of several months that it's all been put together, obviously with his you know marketing team and the people yeah. that surround him that that make sure everything flows nicely. I mean, for that matter, what's next, right? <laughs> what's the next phase? If he wasn't exactly. doing Super Bowl, it would have come out in the next music video or something, right? That's right. Something. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, That's awesome. Yeah. Mm. Well, I can't believe we've just talked for this long about oh, wow. the Super Bowl, <laughs> given the <laughs> fact that we didn't even talk about the game. <laughs> <laughs> anyways, oh, anyways, man. we're going to we're going to uh, tone things down a bit now. We are going to simplify things. We are going to get into a conversation with Aaron Williams from Dwell Songs. This is, uh, like I said earlier, a great conversation about uh, intentionally getting smaller, um, more intimate, going grassroots, connecting with people, especially now. I think this is a timely yes. message from him. Yes. And in this conversation, you'll hear it about, you know, everything that people have been through over the last little last year or so, this is a really timely message. So let's get to it now. We're going Between the Grooves with Aaron Williams from Dwell Songs. Well, it's great to have you on the show. Can I start by saying that? thanks so much. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Mr. Aaron, I would love to for you to to start by telling us a story of, of Dwell, this this community that you mm-hmm. co-founded. I would love to hear how it all started, where the idea came from, and what do you guys yeah. are up to. Let's start there. For sure. So, um, Dwell is really kind of like a an organic grassroots movement that started um, in living rooms in uh, the community in our 
uh, here in Little Rock. And uh, I was on staff at a church called Fellowship Bible Church, and my co-founder, Catherine, was also on staff. I was over worship ministry. She was over women's ministry. And um, there was just kind of a unique um, friendship and uh, I think a thing that God was doing with a, a whole group of people that were a part of our church staff and um, essentially started with just wanting to gather and worship and pray outside of large gatherings and just kind of in a more simple way, you know, organic mm-hmm. way. And so we started doing that. And really quickly, we found that there was a lot of people hungry for that thing. And we started we weren't advertising at all. I mean, it was just like word of mouth. We started having these worship nights and this was very pre COVID, but like a hundred people would turn out into a living room, uh, which was, a you know, a lot. Um, and probably like two or three times more than there ought to have been in, in any of these spaces, but it would just, it was just revealing this very unique hunger, um, to experience, uh, I think spiritual growth and worship, the, this, the whole thing in a very kind of uh, grassroots, low production kind of way. And so that, that in essence gave, gave birth to just a, a small community who was kind of hungry for that sort of thing. It fed into us having a conference at our church. Um, this would have been, well, I guess in March, it'll be five years ago uh, now. And, so we had a conference this first year and it was just, you know, it was just one of those moments where it's just a God, um, a move of God. And it's different than it, you can't describe it by the talent of a band or a speaker or, you know, the, the emotion of an event, but it's more of just God's God's up to something that's bigger than us. And hmm. that essentially started to snowball and the community grew grew larger we did that annual conference for four years and it just kind of, um, I think it had a, a deeper impact every year The the numbers didn't necessarily grow exponentially larger. We've stayed around the 800 to a thousand person mark on the conference, but it was just mm-hmm. like the work that God was doing was, was growing deeper and it was uh, moving outside of our local church into many more. And then eventually by the last conference, we had people flying in from all over the country and we weren't even doing much marketing toward that, you know? And it was just, again, I think what an organic move of God that we feel like we're leading in some moments, but most moments we're kind of stewarding. And, um, so about halfway through that journey, Catherine and I started feeling like, man, I think there's something, um, a part of our life's calling, if you will, that might be a part of what God's doing here. And that over time kind of caused us to think, you know, is, is this, is the Lord inviting us out of our ministry roles, like at our local church? And as you can imagine, that was a big conversation to start thinking about and having with our leadership. But thankfully, um, we were able to do that in really healthy, good, like kingdom minded ways. And after about a cup, about two years of praying, discerning, thinking on it, we launched Dwell outside of our local church as its own nonprofit and kingdom movement, really, with the goal of of expanding from being just an event uh, annually to beginning to offer resources, particularly in the area of worship and worship to worship leaders, and also in the area of discipleship in the form of books and curriculum and that sort of thing. And so we did that this last March. Um, we had our, our conference in the first week of March, and then COVID hit the next week, and um, we were officially launched into a global pandemic and into Dwell being its own you know, ministry all at the same time. And so as crazy as that sounds, the Lord has just, man, He has continued to just show us that we're a part of it, but it's really something that he's doing and, uh, we need to just, you know, keep our eyes focused on him, stay faithful to the calling at hand. And, and, um, he's just taking care of us, uh, so well through this pandemic. And so, yeah, that's, that's kind of a short version of it. I wish I could go into more detail because there's lots of awesome stories, but that's kind of what, 
has been going on. I got to say, between 800 and 1,000 people is not a small number either. No, it's it's not. I, I just think in the, you know, when you live in the space of the catalyst and passion and, you know, these events right. that have 10, 20, 50,000 people, you know, can feel like, um, it can feel like, it can feel small. But at the same time, I think, you know, even the concept of dwell has a lot to do with like a deeper um, spiritual work uh, centering in God's presence. The Lord has just reminded us um, that he often does larger works, beginning with smaller groups of people, even down to individuals, you know. And so that's been encouraging where we, we really feel like it's maybe even more intentional for us to not grow past a certain size too quickly because we're we're not trying to be a a super broad but very um thin ministry we're trying to be one that's um maybe initially has fewer people but the roots are deeper the transformation is more real so that maybe our our hope and prayer is long term that would produce actually more kingdom fruit over the years than it would you know just to be a blip on the on the radar yeah that makes sense and fellowship uh that was a pretty large church with a i i I was i used to be a worship pastor and so back in my Mm -hmm. days i'd always be you know how worship pastors are we want to see what everybody else is doing we can maybe borrow some ideas you know i mean it's all and i remember you borrow ideas yeah 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 yeah, that's what we do in radio too just so you know (laughs) that's right that's right and you guys are doing (laughs) what everyone does yeah that's what everybody does and i I, if i remember correctly you guys were a pretty high production church and doing some amazing things uh, on stage and off stage and so i uh, and it's a pretty big church with many sites if i have the right one in my mind yeah um, yeah that's right yeah. yeah right yeah so i can imagine um um, the beautiful draw towards doing something a much more sort of intimate and smaller. Yeah. How was, and obviously, I mean, I mean, I know already, know, I already know the answer just from your story, but I'm curious about like how even the leadership felt as you were doing this. Did they, yep. were they kind of like, dude, go and do it. This is awesome. Or was there any kind of like, what, what are you doing, man? Are you trying to undermine our, or I'm starting like, another church? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Sometimes like, sometimes um, that could be, it could look that way, even though like, no, all we're doing is presenting a different way of approaching um, worship and approaching gathering. And it's just a different, different f- uh, flavor, different style. Um, so yeah. yeah, I'm curious about like how that was sort of seen and perceived by leadership and the community. Yeah. I mean, that's a great, it's really a great question. I think one of the, one of the most important things that we did early on was we never tried to pit the two together, you know, pr- high production yeah. or, or organic low production yeah. as, as if they were competing. But, and I think that really helped us, you know, because we were, I still am involved in lots of events where I go lead worship and, you know, it's a big stage and lights and all of that. And, we just started looking at it as more like, you know, these are both vehicles, if you will. And they, they both do different things, you know? So it's kind of like you want to choose your vehicle based on where you're going. And if you're driving, you know, from, from me, like if I was driving to California, I'm not going to choose a bicycle, you know, for obvious reasons. Um, Forrest Gump did. Oh no, no, he ran. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but so that really helped us to think of, you know, the these large gatherings with higher production, they have their place. And honestly, I love them uh, a lot of the time. Um, they're just uh, they're just not for everyone all of the time. They have a place. And the same thing with like the smaller living room, organic, low production thing like it. It serves a really unique, beautiful purpose. And there are things that you can accomplish in that setting that you can't in a room or I shouldn't say you can't, but it's just a lot harder in a room with 2000 people or something like that. And so just looking at them as like, um, neither one's right or wrong, good or bad, but they both accomplish different things. We tried, and I I suppose we're still trying in many ways to use them complementary to one another. Um, and I think the low, the growing growth spot for us is just realizing even when we do a conference, you know, with a, 
um, a larger room, we just know that there are certain things we can and can't do or ought to do and ought not to do in that space. And when we host a retreat with 40 leaders, there are things that we can, we can go deeper. We can go to different places and do different types of experiences. And again, as long as, as long as you kind of know the benefits that you can get from each one, I think that's what helped us with our church leadership and, and helped it not feel like a competition. Um, although I will say anytime you gather people there, there is some of that. So it would be wrong yeah, to me yeah. to pretend like that didn't exist. It's just, that's how we handled it. That's how we handled those conversations. And I think some of the health that we experienced doing that for four years within that local church, that's how we managed to do it in a, as healthy of a way as possible. And for the most part, I think all of the leadership at our church understood that and even was kind of for it. You know, I mean, our church has small groups in homes every single week. So it's not like they were only for the large gathering. You know, they very much value small community as well. That's good. One of the things uh, that you are doing with Dwell as as well is is um, I guess it's the song division, if you want to call it that. Is this is mm-hmm. this a component that you're actually writing music together? Is that what that is? Yeah, it is. So, music worship through music has just been such a key part of everything that we've done. And yeah, so we've uh, I've been a songwriter for a long time. A lot of the people that we tend to draw into the ministry on from the worship music side of it uh, have the gift of songwriting, and so we just began to birth a dream of like, oh, what if you know, what if the movement also had its own songs and resourced the church for people who were doing the same type of thing? And it's really cool to see. I mean, when you look back in the story of Scripture, a lot of times when God's doing something new songs get birthed out of it, you know? And so, um, we've just tried, been trying to do that. We launched it in September. It's called dwell songs is like the, the arm or the division of, of what we're doing that's specifically geared toward worship music. Um, and it's been going great so far. We've been hosting a few worship songwriting events. We're hoping to do more of that in the future. And, um, yeah, our, our heart is just to to write songs that share the same type of message and intimacy with God and his presence and hopefully, you know, help churches and worship leaders who are connecting with that have songs to sing. Mm, That's so good. Uh, I think there is something, I mean, I always have, have been a fan of churches having their own songs. There's nothing wrong with singing, whatever Bethel or, passion or hills nothing wrong with that totally fine but there's something about um a community singing their own stories you know their own collective stories you know this is what we're going through as a a community this is kind of maybe what we've been teaching on for the last little bit this is sort of what we've been learning together as a church as a community how we've grown what we've seen in the past what we've been celebrating um these are the truths that can sort of like speak more directly to us like in this season that is so important so helpful and well, yep. the songs we songs that we sing together today together is the theology we believe t- tomorrow together. You know, it's there's something so important about that. And so when I when I hear that, I'm um, I'm wondering, um, like, how does that, uh, in terms of gathering your writers, in terms of like selecting the people to write, how does that happen? Is it mostly kind of like a small group of people, like you and a few others? Or are you, are you kind of, is it more of an, like an open thing where people can suggest songs? There's no wrong or right yep. way, but everybody does it differently. I'm curious about what your way is. Yeah, it's kind of in process right now. Um, so we started exactly how you just mentioned. We, I started with a small group of like six writers, and these were just um, people that I had written with before, that I had relational history with, that kind of knew what dwell was, where we were trying to go and who were willing to just give time and energy. We hosted it in a, at a awesome place in Colorado in the Rocky mountains. And we've done that now for two years. Uh, in fact, all of the songs that we've released thus far came from the first writing gathering that we hosted this retreat. And then we're actually moving toward the second thing that you mentioned where 
we've heard, we've just had it. Um, we've heard from enough people that when we've posted about that retreat and things like that, they've been like, Hey man, I would, I would love to come to that ranch in Colorado and write with you guys. Uh, I love what you're doing. You know, is there any way? And so we're kind of beta testing, if you will, uh, this, this next October, we were hosting our uh, first open songwriting retreat. And those same six writers who've been a part of it from the beginning are going to be there. We're inviting a couple other really great, well-known writers, but we're opening it up a certain number of spots to whomever might want to come. And uh, we've had good interest and good registration numbers uh, so far. I'm super excited. I mean, that type of thing just gets me pumped because uh, I just love gathering like-minded people, creative types, writers, and, you know, it's like if we write great songs, that'll be the icing on the cake. But just being, having meals together, getting to know one another, getting, like, that's going to just be a blast. And that's happening, yeah, next October. So the vision is to just keep to keep writing great songs, but I mean, we want to help other people with anything, anything that we have that could be helpful to another leader or songwriter or whatever it might be. I mean, that's, that's really the heartbeat behind well is to take what we have and try to multiply it, try to make it helpful and useful to other people. And so in this case, songwriters. Um, and so, yeah, I hope it goes well. I think it's going to, we'll see. I think so. Like, I think, and even there's something special and beautiful about getting away with a bunch of creatives and doing something mm-hmm. like that. Because, because here's the worst case scenario. The worst case scenario, if all the songs you guys write suck, guess yes. what? You're together. You're totally. together. Right. And, and so there's, that's, that's the best part. You get to build relationships. You get to break bread with each other. You are learning more about your community. It's, it's at the end of the day, if nothing, you know, creatively good comes out, you just, you just build a stronger community. We've chatted yeah. with, we've chatted with uh, songwriters in the past. And, and one of the things that sticks out to me uh, has been that their comments are that, that a lot of it is just the relationship part. You know, you get into a room yeah. and, and you've got the same focus, you've got the same agenda, you've got the same, um, you know, um, this, this is where you want to go to, this is where you want to be. And that in itself, I mean, the fact that you guys are going away together and like you said, eating meals together and just spending time together. And then, oh, by the way, we're writing some songs as well. That's the added benefit. That's the, that's the carrot that, you know, that, uh, Drew was just mentioning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, um, one of the most, you know, holy moments, if you will, that I've, I think I've ever been a part of was at this retreat two years ago. And, and one of the guys who's just an unbelievable leader, great person, but he was just going through one of those harder seasons in ministry. Like we all know exist and that, and they happen. And, um, we were doing, we do a song share at the end of, at the end of every day. So we just all gather up in a big circle, share the songs that we wrote that day. And what happened is at the end of that night, we finished sharing the songs that were written and we just started playing back through songs that we had written in the past. And one of these guys just started sharing about how this last season in ministry was just, you know, had kind of worn him and his family down. And, you know, at one point he's like almost in tears about it. And spontaneously, all the other people in the room would just get up. Everybody goes and just places a hand on him. And it just turns into this kind of holy worship moment where we just prayed for him and his family, uh, for their future. And what was really beautiful was over this next year, we just watched this God's story in his life unfold. And some of the very things that were prayed for that night and spoken over their family, you began to see him come to fruition and I'll just never forget it. And it's, it's those type of moments that you just can't, you can't manufacture. It just comes from what you, what you just mentioned. It comes from a relationship. It comes from sitting around a table and, and getting to know people. And I, I honestly think that's where the best creative work comes from too. You know, hmm. uh, you can, yeah. you can get in a song and write, you can get in a room and write a song, but a lot of times the special ones, you just can't manufacture. They just come from those places, you know? And so that's what we're trying to do. And, you know, we just want to position ourselves over and over kind of in that place and allow the Lord to lead and not try to make something happen. And that's, 
kind of that's kind of what dwell came out of and where it's headed he just keeps kind of doing stuff like that over and over and we're just you know really grateful to be a part of it one of the songs that you guys wrote um is a is your new single abide and uh that's that dropped recently now I'm, i'm curious to find out how this uh has ended up being or going to be on the uh, new Shane and Shane live recording through the worship initiative. How did that all materialize? Yeah, well, um, it's a, it's a great story in, in many ways. One, I think this song abide, you know, it's written from John 15, which is the vine and the branches passage in scripture. And so for our ministry dwell, you know, it just has this such a, um, leaning toward, uh, remaining in God's presence. You know, that's one of the, one of the translations for abiding is is to remain. So this song just in general, I feel like came from a heart cry for us. And, um, we wrote it at one of those retreats and, and sat on it, like sat in our back, back pocket, so to speak for about a year. And I thought it was just for me, honestly, I loved the song, but I just didn't know if it, was for everyone like to record. And one of my friends at this event, he said, Hey man, I think you should lead that song abide. And when we let it, it just kind of, the room just kind of blossomed around the song. And I thought, okay, maybe, maybe I'm wrong. I was wrong. Um, and so we decided to record it and I sent it to a friend of mine. Um, I don't know the Shane super well, but I do know them a little bit and have had some connection with them. And they said, I've got to get this song to them. I just know they're going to love it. Um, one of their partners in ministry leads a conference called Linger, um, the Linger Conference. And it's really similar. It's probably the closest thing we've found to the heartbeat of Dwell. And so I just thought, hey, I'm going to send this over. And so I did. I just sent it. Hey, wrote this new song. I don't know if it has any if it could help you guys in, in the orbit of what you're doing or not. But if it, if it can, awesome. If, if not, just hope it encourages you. And they got back to me within like the next couple of days and said, Hey, we, we absolutely love the song. It, it shares the same heartbeat. Um, can we lead it at linger? And then we would love to, if you'd be willing, we'd love to put it on the next worship initiative album. So it's, it's the worship initiative. If you guys aren't familiar, that's the resourcing entity that Shane and Shane have created and that they release most of their music through now. And so, yeah, the song's going to be on, I believe it's volume 25. It's releasing late March, early April. And obviously we're just so excited about that because they, they have a much, they have a much broader, um, you know, just group of worship leaders that they're resourcing than we do at this point. So it's, it's great exposure for the song, but I mean, our, our heart is really for that message of abiding in Christ to pervade as much of the church, uh, as it can. And that's like why we released the song. So if we can help, they're going to help get that out. We're super stoked about it. And you'll see growth with that too. I'm sure. I mean, just, just the exposure alone. Yeah. I mean, exposure, you know, in many ways is the name of the game and trying to grow. Um, and, you know, like you guys know, I think everyone kind of knows that the best way to get exposure is to, to do good work. But mm-hmm. some of that you can't, again, you can't manufacture what I've, I've released songs before that I thought were going to take off and then they didn't. And then here's a song that sat in my back pocket and I didn't think anyone really wanted to hear. I just knew it was special to me. And it's the one it's the one that's taking off more, you know, it's just so interesting how you can't, you can't just plan it out like you think you would. Um, so it's special. Yeah. And for me, honestly, I, I've always been a, Sh- a Shane and Shane fan, especially mm-hmm. in my like super formative years when they were leading with passion, I was going to that event. I mean, so it's really cool to just have in some ways, uh, you know, an artist that has inspired you along the years, sing a song that you've written. I mean, for me, that's, super humbling um can't wait to hear them i'm sure they're going to sound amazing on it oh yeah yeah i I would have thought they already recorded it and they just haven't given you the inside scoop yet (laughs) well they did record it they did record it for the um the linger conference because of covid that conference is online which you guys if anyone's listening and wants to check it out i think the conference is actually not happening until 
mid-February, but yeah, they record, they pre-recorded all the content for that. So they recorded mm. it then. So I should be able to hear their version of it pretty time, pretty soon. And I'm just sitting on the edge of my seat waiting to hear them sing it. So of course, of course. it's really cool. <laughs> Can't wait. They're so good. I love those guys. They're amazing. Yeah, they are. So with everything that's with everything that's happened over the last year with the COVID, I mean it's the it's the as Drew and I like to say the elephant in the room, right? Um, yeah, you can't not talk about it or or think about it or or see how it's impacted the industry, whether it just be uh, the music industry for artists that are on radio, the CCM world, or whatever else. Um, what does that mean for you guys? Like, can you still have a conference or is it more of an online thing? And what does it mean for, you know, songwriting? Is it all remote stuff that you're doing together? Yeah. You know, it's everyone, every once in a while I hear people talking about the silver lining kind of in COVID. And for us, it, we were, we were at this spot where we were just an event. You know, that's all Dwell was. And we had dreams about turning it into a resource for the church. And the biggest variable in that was just time. And so as crazy as it sounds, we look back at COVID and we're like, for all of the difficulty of, yes, moving everything online, having to songwrite mostly by Zoom, all of that type of thing. What it One of the things it did for us that was extremely helpful is we didn't have to worry about planning new events in the short term because everything was shutting down. And so for the last eight months or so, we have just, we've just kind of put our nose to the grind and really started working on building these resources. And so like we have a conversation with a a publisher on the uh, writing, like the curriculum resource later today, because we've, we've just had months to work on that and to get it going. And so, um, that's been one of the good things for us. I think because of that, 2021 is going to be a year where dwell blossoms in some ways mm. and, and becomes more of what it's going to be in the future. But obviously that's not with difficulty. I mean, many, most everyone knows nonprofits are largely, especially when they launch uh, fundraising based and, yeah. and so, you know, there's been some real unique challenges to steward what God's been doing with it and to figure out how to do that during a season where, you know, some people have less income coming in, you know, it just churches are shifting. Like that's been a real challenge, no doubt. Um, it's been exhausting, uh, for most people, I think, but the upside is it's allowed us to, to work on some of the things we've been wanting to work on. And, and, um, yeah, so we are, we're hosting a conference in 2022, but we just decided to not do an event this spring to keep working on these resources. And, um, thankfully we did have our conference last year, right before COVID hit, as I mentioned, we were, we were able to successfully host a retreat for leaders in November. And we're doing another one of those this next October, but our next big conference will be spring about a year from now, just over a year from now. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that's kind of what it's looked like for us. Um, not easy, but I think good. And, and maybe the Lord intended it that way for us this year. You know, it's interesting you say about uh, about churches and how they've been forced to adapt and shift um, in, in the way they do things. My brother is a pastor uh, north of Toronto, and he, he told me a couple of years ago already they were thinking of changing the way they do a lot of things. Um, yeah. And part of that was because in the community where he's a pastor, there's a lot of people that attend the church that drive a distance to get there. Yep. And it's just one of these communities where people are driving a distance to get in there. And so they were trying to figure out how they could accommodate these people, especially especially in the wintertime, because, you know, if it is winter, you know, you're, you're less likely to see some of these people because they don't want to drive, you know, in the snow or whatever else in the slippery conditions and whatnot. And so they had already started to shift to this, you know, um, online uh, home groups, I guess. They had already started that shift when COVID hit. So it was just a natural 
a natural shift for them because it was something they were already starting to do. And so it didn't impact them negatively as a church in all the changes that have been made. Like online services obviously would change and they had to adapt very quickly. But once they did it, once you've got that technology down from week to week, it's there. And mm-hmm. his his philosophy is they're going to continue doing it. Like even when everybody's yeah. allowed in church again, you're allowed to have full attendance, like the full, full amount of people in the building and whatnot. They're going to continue with the online stuff because they recognize that there are still people that will attend church that way. It's not ideal. It's not the way you would want, you know, you would certainly want most of the people to physically be there, but for whatever reason, maybe they're in a retirement home or they don't have a ride or they just, uh, with their schedules, uh, they're not allowed to physically attend, but now they've got that ability. And that's for all churches, Mm -hmm. quite frankly, right? If, 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 and I've said this drew to you where if, if churches haven't learned to adapt and accommodate and to, uh, you know, use new technology and do things differently and learn from that and continue to do that versus just, this is just a temporary thing. We're just putting a Band-Aid on it. And after that, we can take the Band-Aid off and everything's good, you know? Yeah. 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 I think one of the things that, that one of the ways we've been talking about what you just mentioned was it was like there were some of these some of these adjustments or shifts that needed to happen, like, like your brother was mentioning. And it was like COVID really in many ways, just fast hit fast forward on some of those um, changes. And it was like, yeah, you might've been thinking about that, but putting it off. And then when the pandemic hit, you were just kind of many leaders were just forced of like, okay, we can't think about this. We can't just, you know, brainstorm about this any longer. We have to figure out how to, resource people differently, how to do pastoral care. You know, that's been one of the crazy ones. Like, how do you do care for people when you can't actually go and lay a hand on them and pray with them, you know, and things like that. And I think for Dwell, one of the unique opportunities that it's brought up is we were, we felt like we were already advocating for, like I mentioned earlier in the in our conversation, we were advocating for the importance of the large gathering, but also for some of the transformation that could happen in the smaller, um, more intimate gatherings. You know, even in the in the home. And I think for many people, you know, they their Christian experience has a lot to do with going to the church on Sunday or Saturday, whenever your church meets, but then maybe naturally neglecting the the rest of the week and this is one of those opportunities where it was like no you you can't do that anymore just just because there's a pandemic here and so many of the tools and resources and things that we had been working towards we felt like at least in our small network we had a bunch of people reaching out going hey this stuff is needed even more than it was before or like we feel the need it's more apparent now to us you know and we need we need to help train our people on how do we worship and pray in, in the home or how do we, you know, gather when it's possible, these small, small groups of people, you know, six or a dozen or whatever it might be. And so I think because of that, it's just opened up a new door for what, what church can look like. And I'll be very interested to see what the long-term trajectory on all this is. You know, I, mm-hmm. I hope it's, I hope and what I'm praying for is it, it leads to greater health in the church but I think that'll all probably only come with a little bit of, you know, innovation along the way. I think you're totally right. I think you're completely right. I think, I think this, all of this, in my opinion, and maybe I'm being too optimistic, but I think this will lead to the churches really doing some cool stuff and it makes some great change in our communities. Yeah. I think we're now a force to, rethink the way that we've always done things. It's not business yeah. as usual anymore. And we have to think, almost think small. That's that's a that's a portrait of words. I don't want to say, say that, but like we're now have to thinking about not just people in the, as, as people in our seats, but now people in our neighborhoods. Now it's people on our yeah. blocks. Now it's, we're thinking, you know, in a small term effects and how can we reach these people in our community? Yep. And I think it's a, that's just such a healthy way of doing church. Sorry, not that it was unhealthy before, but but yeah, yeah. It's um, do you know what I mean? But I think this this is a, I think now it's now we're allowing our leadership or allowing the way that we lead to be in a new way, in a fresh way, in a way that kind of like 
will probably, I think, will hit home with literally hit home with people in a deeper way. And so I think it's really yeah. cool. I think it's I'm looking forward to see how the church continues to evolve in this manner, in this way. Um, mm-hmm. That's for me. That for me is one of the the wins for COVID. It's like yes, <laughs> the churches are finally they're forced to kind of do things differently and to yeah. um, roll out some beautiful changes and just really trying to reach their people and their neighborhoods in a new and fresh way. I'm like, I'm, I'm into that. <laughs> well, and it, yeah. and it certainly has been <laughs> dynamically changing as well. Right. Yeah. Because especially in, in uh, Toronto area where we are, where, you know, at, at one point, okay, now we're going to allow, you know, in-house gatherings or, or uh, in-church gatherings once again, but to a limited capacity. And then, oops, uh, we're locking everything down again, so it's back to everything online. And so churches and businesses, but churches have b- been forced to go back and forth and change this and adapt to this. And so seeing what the end result is in six months or a year or even five years down the road would be really, really interesting. And Drew, I mentioned this to you uh, a few weeks or maybe even a couple of months ago where uh, if if churches haven't adapted or this is just this Band-Aid approach uh, and they're just going to go back to the way they were doing things a year and a half ago, Ugh. that would that would be sad because there's so be. much mm-hmm. potential uh, that's out there, and just to just to refocus a little bit and and see how can we do things better, how can we do things different, how can we reach more people, how can we do it with technology, all those questions, you know? Yeah, absolutely, and I think, like you guys have said, you know, one of the the unique things I think for all of us to keep in our mind, and this is what I keep encouraging any of my pastor friends because they they don't want to hear this as much because they're you know in the same breath as we can say how hopeful we are many pastors i think are feeling the brunt of all of this and yeah. i just keep reminding my friends like guys if you look back in church history as much as we don't like it um crisis usually leads um to uh rejuvenation and a reawakening yes. in a really beautiful way it's just no one wants to go through crisis to, to, to be reawakened, you know, but that is one of the effects that it has. And the, the reality is we're, we're in a crisis we're, we're we've been in it for a little while and we are going to emerge. And it's just like you said, you know, if we're, I think prayerful and thoughtful enough, um, maybe, maybe we'll see some of the best days of the church ahead in our lifetimes. Yeah. Um, if we're willing to, if we're willing to go with the movement of God and what he's doing at the time and, and maybe loosen our grip a little bit on what has been to, to grab onto what could be, you know, I think that's the, that's the hope I have at least. Yeah. Same here, man. Same here. Same here. I think that that said it right there. The last couple of sentences you just said about, you know, kind of loosening the grip on here's the way we've always done things. And, uh, just getting a little creative and doing things a little differently. Uh, nobody likes yeah. change. Nobody nobody really right. likes change, but change is actually good for you. It stretches you. It, it helps you learn. Especially it helps you pastors. adapt. Yeah. Well, I don't know about just pastors. I think a lot of people. Uh, but, no. <laughs> but but certainly certainly uh, I'll say this from some of the pastors I know where they they you know like a Sunday service. This is the way we do a Sunday service, right? Yeah, exactly. We, yeah. And it's the same format. Yeah. It's like a cookie cutter format. And exactly. Like, why why not make a little why? change? Why, yeah, why? <laughs> yeah, why don't we do exactly. things a little differently, right? Just That's right. And and maybe some things will work, maybe some things won't, right? Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. but yeah. you know, at least you can get some ideas and do things differently and at least keep the attention span. I was, I was reading something <laughs> I was reading something online about it was uh, some men's gathering or something, and I'm not sure if it was an online event or whatever it was, and uh, it was going to be um, five hours of action-packed whatever speakers or whatever else for men. And I'm thinking men don't have that attention span, right? Right. (laughs) And it's the same thing on a a Sunday morning or a Saturday church service where if it's an in-person event or even if it's online, I mean... It's just a simple fact where men's attention span is just so much, oh, there's a squirrel, right? Like, 
Yeah. Our, our attention span is so small and, and, and it seems to be getting smaller all the time, right? The, the amount of minutes that you can keep their attention. So do something different to keep our attention, whether it's a story or a, just a quick break or do something. But for five hours to hear, you know, five speakers each talk for an hour. I don't know. I, I don't know if I could get into that, to be honest. Yeah, it would be hard for me as well. <laughs> for sure. So yeah. I guess we're a little yeah. off topic, but all of that, having said that, it's it's uh, great to see what, what Duell is doing, um, mm-hmm. you know, keeping that community and, and smaller, um, smaller group of people, it impacts so much. It has such a bigger impact because of that. Yeah, that's, that's absolutely what we're hoping for. And I mean, again, the material we've been working on that's going to be releasing in 2021, you know, is hopefully going to be for, for leaders and pastors who are just going, okay, how do, how do we actually on the ground, like create healthier communities that it's not just a Bible study in a home, but it it actually feels like, um, Acts, Acts chapter two, like it actually feels like people gathering together, praying with one another, eating meals together, worshiping, that's what we feel like in some ways is kind of our sweet spot. And because the Lord allowed us to do some work in that area before Corona hit, you know, we feel like in some ways he allowed us to be ahead of the game. And so, you know, the, the reach and scope of our ministry will be up to him, but we just hope for those that we do have influence with, we could come alongside again to help, to resource, to encourage, to, you know, just, gosh, to help people feel like they're not in it alone, you know, um, which can be half the battle in a, in such an isolating time, you know? So that's our, that's our prayer. And I I appreciate you guys just letting us share about it. And uh, whether it's a song or a book that we write or whatever it is, we hope that it'll help some people in the kingdom. Yeah. It's, it's interesting because the, uh, I look at um, it, resources are great. Um, curriculum is great, uh, but it's nice when you have that, again, back to that whole small, intimate group getting together where you can actually discuss stuff and explore yeah. together. I remember mm-hmm. when I was a newlywed and we had a friend of ours who was, uh, it was an unofficial house meeting, if you want to call it. It was really just us and, and him and his wife, and we were going to go through the book of Acts or something like that. And we started on chapter one. And like after the first week, we got one verse done. And then the second week, well, we're going to finish the, you know, the rest of the chapter next week. And the next week we got we got through to verse two, like that's how long it took because there was so much discussion and so much uh, creativity and so much that we wanted to talk about and discuss together and analyze and, and explore together. Um, I found, wow, this is great because, because we're all communicating. We're all participating in this versus it's just something we're watching. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think one of the things you're hitting on that we talk about a lot is if we're not careful, we, we, we make the main goal of those type times, just this information transfer, you know what I mean? Where, Mm. where the goal is, did you like what the author said or what the pastor said? And as if, as long as I can make sure you understand everything correctly, then we've succeeded. And I think part of what we're starting to understand more broadly in the church is that information transfer is very helpful. It's really good. Um, but it's not enough to see the type of transformation that I think we're all hungry for. You know, it, mm-hmm. it doesn't by itself change us at a fundamental level. And so, you know, just just getting down to going, okay, what what does actually help us change and grow? Sure, it's information, but like it's, it's also there's an experiential um, nature to it of, you know, we all know that if you learn by doing something, you know, actually participating. And so anytime you can, you can break those ideals down from just having to gain another nugget of knowledge to feel like you're, you know, one step further down the road and actually get to know a person or, you know, share a life experience. And that's one of the reasons why we think, you know, meals and just real life thing, you know, real life activities are so important. Um, is because those are the things that actually help us integrate all of that knowledge that we're learning into our real life. You know, the actual yeah. Monday, 
Monday through Saturday, you know, Sunday type thing. And so I think that's one of the opportunities that's, that's ahead of us because, you know, we can all tell pretty quick as helpful as online church is, um, hearing a sermon on online for 30, 45 minutes every single week, it, it's helpful, but it does, it's not going to produce the type of life transformation that the New Testament talks about. It's going to need to be more than just that, you know? And exactly. so I think a lot of That's people right. and a lot of churches are going, well, what, what is that more and how do we get to it? And that's where, again, you, you don't need just a book to tell you. You need to talk to someone who's actually been doing that, who can say, hey, here are the best practices. Here's, here's what we did actually with our community that, that worked. And here's some things that we did that didn't work, you know, because there's always going to be that element to it. You had me at meals anyways. I mean, exactly. who doesn't like to eat, right? <laughs> That's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Bring on the food. <laughs> Bring it on. And more than one kind of food there. How's, how's that for an analogy? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it is. yeah that was deep. Nice, that was nice, deep. nice. You like that? Yeah. yeah I, that I, that I didn't good. even plan that. I was actually thinking of the physical food, <laughs> knowing me, right? <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen, Aaron, it's such a pleasure chatting with you today. Um, just really excited to see what's happening with Dwell and and just the, the growth that's really going to happen. I truly believe this thing's going to grow because I think there's such a big need for it in this day and age yeah well thank you guys for having me on i'm so appreciative that we could just have this conversation i feel like i've uh grown some just talking to you guys this morning so thank you it was a nice conversation it's interesting to see everything that they're doing and you know everybody's always talking about we're going to get bigger and bigger and bigger and it's almost like he said we're trying to get smaller and smaller and smaller right mm-hmm yeah it's funny. I've seen and heard and have been a part of conversations like that with, with many churches. And there's always usually a pushback. It's like, no, we got to do it this way. And so it's great that between his team and the leadership team, they said, yeah, let's try this out and create this new thing. Um, I think people need that. I think people need that kind of intimate and, and sort of more grassroots connection. Um, not that the big experience is bad. But I think having the option for that, I think is just so good. And so it shows your congregation just how much, I don't want to say that you care. That sounds horrible. But yeah, like it's having that kind of display of let's do it this way. Let's connect on a ground level. I think churches. so beautiful and pure. I think churches now can learn a lot from this conversation. Exactly. And the reason for that is because we're going to be coming out of this pandemic, lockdown, whatever, you know, whatever city you're in, uh, it's going to be different, obviously, but we're all coming out of this COVID thing, hopefully in the next little while. And I think what people have missed over the last 10 months is that intimate face-to-face conversations, relationships, meals, right? Mm -hmm. We haven't had any of that. And I think that's where it starts. If you want to grow up big, you got to start small and get small, intentionally small, you know? This is it. That's a smart, in my opinion, with everything, it's, it's always smart to be intentionally small. Um, even, even when it comes to, you know, being an artist, um, if you focus on, you know, small group of fans, like 500 fans or a thousand fans, and you just focus on that intentionally, it will grow. It will naturally grow. If it's um, any good. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Thought I just. Yeah. There is that if right. in there. If, if, yeah. That's right. <laughs> so, yeah, I love what they're doing. I love that. I was about that when I was a worship pastor. It's it's Steph. He's our preaching to the choir for me. I'm like, yes, I get you, man. I get yeah, you. Yeah. So that was a great conversation for me as well. Make sure you check out dwellwithgod.com to find the links to their music, all their events, and of course, social media. It's time now for artist advice, and today we check back with Matt Heim from I Am They. Stay close to your Bible and to serve people well. I guess that's that's maybe not new news, but uh, that's been my story. So I, I just I don't want to speak from something I I don't know how to do, but I just I've never really gotten to like go do a course or go to, like go to do this thing for college or go network or go whatever like just just serve people and look for ways 
to serve and look for open open doors that way and then do that with your whole heart and um and, and if i didn't stay close to the bible i wouldn't know how to work, write songs and i wouldn't know how to uh walk through the, the hard times that you will encounter when you're going after the things that god calls you to do Oh, good words from Matt Hine right there. I think this totally ties into to this whole entire show today, staying close to your Bible and serve people well. It's almost like, you know, if you are doing this music thing, um, treat it as if you are almost like a pastor. You are leading people. You are inspiring people. Um, whether you're a worship artist or not, there's something pastoral in what we all kind of do as yeah. we share our stories, you know? And so I think that's... Those are good words. That is all the time we have for this week, folks. We hope you enjoyed the show. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast for new episodes every Monday. And don't forget to leave us a rating and a review. That just helps us reach more people. And hey, if you do social media, guess what? So do we. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter at Between Grooves. Let's hang out. Let's chat. And maybe show some ideas of what you want to see and hear on this show in the future. Hey, thanks for listening. Catch you next time on Between the Grooves, a podcast from faithstrongtoday.com. Today.com.